So throughout the year, mothers are taken advantage of. So, amen, yes, I hear that. <laughs> yes, yes, as they, as, they, as they slave for their families, as they slave for their children, very few take the time you know, to, to really appreciate them for what they do. And so we set a day aside every year in May uh, to honor our moms, to, to say thanks to them for, uh, for what they've done for us and for our families. The celebration of Mother's Day, um, like a lot of festivals, actually began in the church. So in the 16th century, they used to have a day called uh, Mothering Day. It was a Sunday that was set aside uh, for a special church service that would honor uh, moms. And it was the fourth Sunday of Lent. That's when it was actually celebrated. And, uh, and, and, and part of this would be is that you would go back to your mother church. That's either the church that you were baptized in or, um, or the church that was nearest to you for this special service. And as you went to the service, you would pick up wildflowers along the way. And then during the service, there would be time when you offer the wildflowers to your mom to, to honor her. And now over time, Mothering Day uh, got set aside. And, and today we celebrate the more secular Mother's Day. But it is interesting how we keep some of the traditions, uh, like we give flowers. In fact, uh, almost 70% of mothers today will receive flowers today. That's the most common gift to give on, on Mother's Day. So today as we honor moms, um, and, and that's what today is all about, uh, the moms who birthed us. In fact, none of us uh, would have life apart from our moms. We are who we are in many ways because our moms invested so much in us. Um, it's appropriate that our lectionary actually takes us to a passage in John's first letter concerning the life of faith the, the, that we've been given. Um, and so it describes different characteristics of our, of our faith and the nature of that. And what does it mean to live out our faith uh, in life? So this is our spiritual life, even as our moms gave us our, our, uh, our body, our physical existence. Now, just let me give you a little bit of context to this passage. So we're looking at 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to look upon uh, just to be able to, to look at some of these passages that I'm going to be uh, referring to. Um, so just to give you some context, so some kind of schism um, took place uh, within the churches in Asia Minor. And so a lot of these churches had a sizable number of people actually leave the church. And so now John, this is the Apostle John, uh, is now writing this letter to encourage those that, are sta that have stayed, those that have stayed within the church. And what he's doing is he's trying to encourage them uh, to, 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 to see that their lives as people of faith will be distinct from, very different from, the life of people outside of the church. Your life will not be the same. Um, John says that faith is the nature of how we live and that our life is different as a result. But he says this, that actually our life of faith is actually the genuine source of life. This is where life really begins. This is what he says in chapter 5, verse 12. He says, whoever has the Son has life. And that would suggest that whoever doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. Now, John is referring to eternal life here. And, 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 and often when we think about this eternal life, we think about, well, that begins when we die. But actually, that's not true. Eternal life begins the very moment that we decide to become disciples of Jesus. When we say, I want to follow Jesus, that is the time 
in which we enter into eternal life. And so what John wants to do, he wants us to understand certain characteristics of this life so that we can see how the life of a disciple is distinct from the life of others who do not share our faith. And so what I'm going to be doing is looking at characteristics that, that John has brought up. And there are three characteristics in particular that he focuses on. And the first is this. John says that the life of faith means being reborn into a new creation. Faith is not something superficial. Faith isn't something that we have one day and we don't another. It's not something that, well, when difficulties happen, we lose our faith and then we regain it. That isn't faith. But, but faith is actually something that, that runs deep in us. It's something that marks us as belonging to the family of God. According to popular conceptions of Christianity, we are promised eternal life for believing the right things for being theologically correct so if we believe those right things then we have eternal life and while it's definitely true that the churches need to have orthodox theology absolutely um, there's so much more to faith than believing the right thing it is a whole lifestyle it's it's a whole new way of reorienting our lives here's what jesus tells his readers in verse one of chapter five he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. A new birth has literally taken place. In the same way that our moms uh, birthed us, we are now reborn the moment that we give our lives to Jesus and want to be his disciples. It reminds us of Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Faith transforms our lives in a dynamic way so that we're reborn into a new creation. We're, we no longer live according to the values of this world, but according to the values and priorities of the kingdom of God. Because we're members of his family. You know, I think in the heart of every human being, even if you don't know Jesus, in the heart of every human being, there's a desire to transform this existence. There's a desire to become more than what we are in the flesh. Uh, there, there's a desire, and I think you see that in, you know, in young people when they aspire to great things in their life. And somehow we lose that when we become older. But what that is is really, it's, it's God inside each one of us showing us that you were created for something more. When I worked as a, as a chaplain in a hospital in, in Albany, New York one summer, I, uh, I walked into the room of a new patient who had, who had just uh, arrived. And, uh, and she was very friendly and she wanted to talk, so I sat down and began talking to her. And in the course of my, of my conversation with her, it became apparent that I wasn't actually talking to a woman, but to a man dressed in women's clothes. And, and, and as I was having this conversation, at first I just wanted to run out. I was like, okay, this is very uncomfortable. But as I began to, began to, to just listen to him, I really began feeling sorry for this father of three children. Over and over again, he said to me, I am a woman 
him in, in a man's body. He really believed that. He dressed in women's clothes because his feelings said to him that he was a woman. And he just wished that he could wake up one morning and be transformed into the woman, that, that, that somehow all his problems would go away if he suddenly became a woman. His God-given desire to be reborn, which every human has, had become distorted and twisted. God wants to make all of us into a new creation. But our human fleshly desires can corrupt that heavenly calling. It can get twisted so that we miss the greater purposes of our lives. Faith is the evidence of rebirth, is the evidence that, that of our higher calling in life. It is the proof of our, of our transformation of the heart that has taken place. When we put our faith in Jesus, it means we become disciples of Jesus, that, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, which testifies to the truth of a reality that you can't see with your eyes but it's a reality based on faith. We begin to love God. We begin to love his people more and more. And as, our, as we become increasingly transformed, we begin to obey the commands of God. Listen to what uh, John writes in verse three of this chapter. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. The commandments are not burdensome because our hearts become changed with time. We become a new creation as the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth. And as we walk in that day by day, we become a new, a new creation. And so some of you and many of you I know can look at your life and say, I'm not the same man or same woman that I was because you've been made into a new creation. And that's what being a disciple is all about, to be reborn. Now let's look at another characteristic of the life of faith. Faith enables us to break free of the world's downward pull. This is what John says in verse four. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. As long as we're on the earth, the world seeks to entice us with its desires and pleasures, right? I mean, even if you've walked in the faith a long time, there's always the seductions of the world out there. And, and you can recognize them earlier when you, as you become more mature. But you know what? They're there. They're there. They're constantly there pulling us, trying to pull us away from, from the Lord. The prince of the world, the devil, will lie to us in order to create confusion in our hearts. And let me just say this right now. Think, if, if, if you're confused or there's confusion in your life, that is never from God. Confusion is never from God. It is the, 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 the devil that has somehow been able to get in, into your life in some way. And so you're confused. Confusion is not of the Lord. But that's what he wants to do. He wants to create confusion and prevent us from experiencing the love of God. He wants us to deny the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom. 
because he wants us to believe that the only thing that is real is the things that you can see with your eyes. Only this life is real. There's nothing else. And isn't that what the world tells us? That's the big lie, that there's nothing else beyond this world. In 1996, a 38-year-old security guard at Pennsylvania Middle School convinced a 14-year-old girl named Tanya Katch to leave her father and live with him. And he did so for the next 10 years. The security guard kept Tanya captive uh, in his home that he shared with his elderly parents. And to keep Tanya from running away, her captives convinced her that, that nobody cared for her. They convinced her that nobody loved her. He told her, you're stupid. You're immature. Nobody cares about you anymore. And he kept saying these things over and over again to the point where he became so confident that he let her leave the house, you know, for for short periods of time while he went to work because he knew that she would come back. Well, during these, these times when she would uh, be out, she actually met a guy named um, Sparko. And Sparko the, was the owner of a, of a deli mart. And in March of 2006, two th uh, 10 years after she was first abducted, Tanya finally confessed her true identity to him. And he shared that with his son who happened to be a retired policeman. Well, before long, Tanya was finally rescued and reunited with her father. And commenting on the situation, Sparko said, she wanted to be wanted. That's all. Tanya's father, Jerry, who had desperately tried to find his daughter for years, he posted thousands of pictures and flyers and, and everywhere that he could, was just so overjoyed. And he said, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about her. God brought my little girl back home to me. And Tanya, too, was delighted to learn that her father had never stopped looking for her. And like Tanya, we mustn't allow the world, the flesh, and the devil to hold us into captivity anymore. I mean, so many Christians, professing Christians, live their lives captive to lies, to absolute lies. We must stop believing the lie that I am unworthy. We must stop believing the lie I am no good. We must stop believing the lie I'm a failure. We must stop believing the lie I will amount to nothing. You are a child God, you were created by him for a great purpose, every one of us. And as a child, he's calling you out of the darkness into light, into the light of his love. Your, your, your faith testifies to that truth. You know, you remember in the book of Revelation, one of the things that uh, is a theme that appears several times in the book is this idea that, uh, that those who overcome will be rewarded. You know, that, that overcoming is, a, is an important thing. Um, Jesus actually says this to members of the church uh, in Philadelphia. He says, the one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne. That's Revelation 3.21. The word translated conquer in Greek is the very same word that John is using here in his letter. And so that word conquer can also be translated to overcome. 
Who is the one who overcomes the world? John says it's the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. To believe and to follow him as his disciples is to frustrate the destructive actions of this world that for the most part are hostile to the things of God and the things that God values. And therefore, to trust God, to believe in God is the most radical countercultural thing that we can do in this earth. Because to do so means to stand up against all the institutions of this world. It means to stand up to all the powers in this world and to, to be independent. People don't have control of you if you believe in Jesus and follow him. There's nothing that a, that a, that a boss doesn't like more than somebody who they can't have power over. And as a Christian, no one can have power over you because you're under the authority of Jesus. The life of faith is thirdly this. It means embracing the spiritual reality that you can't see with your eyes. There is only one revelation of the true God that perfectly reveals God's nature and character, and it is Jesus Christ. You know, there are a lot of other gods out there. There's, there's lots of gods, but they are false gods, or they are they are incomplete revelations of who God is. It is only faith in Jesus that is the source of life. In John 14, 9, Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so he can be the only true object of faith. So you remember how how God had told the Israelites that they weren't to create any images of who he was. The reason for that is because he knew that the, that, the, that, the, that the complete revelation of that would come when his son would come into the world incarnate. He is the icon of the Father. He is the, the image of God. And when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. God desires for his creation to know him. And so he left a testimony concerning the truth of his son. Now, have you ever thought about how important testimonies are in our world? Um, they give us evidence. They give us witness that, that something is true. And for the most part, our understanding of, of most things in life come from the testimonies that we choose to believe. So if you choose to believe a textbook or Facebook, that becomes your reality. But for the most part, we don't actually go out and discover things for ourselves. So what we know, what we, what we believe, is based on testimony. I mean, it's so powerful in our society that we'll even convict somebody to death based on the testimony of somebody, right? Testimony is, is the basis of life. And similarly, God has left a testimony of his son for all of us to see. Now, interestingly enough, uh, John doesn't mention the Bible as being that testimony, but that's partly because they didn't have Bibles back then. There was no gospel that had been written when this, when this letter was written. But in 1 John 5, 7, and 8, he describes a threefold witness testifying to the truth of the Son of God. And he writes this, For these three testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree. Now, the testimony of, of water is undoubtedly a reference to Jesus' baptism. 
and the baptisms of those who believe in him. The witness of the blood refers to, to Jesus' sacrificial death and the salvation brought through the shedding of the blood. The communion meal that we are going to celebrate in a few moments is the ongoing testimony of the power of Jesus' blood to redeem lives. The Spirit is the presence of Christ um, that dwells inside of us in the absence of Jesus. The Spirit testifies to the truth of the blood and the water and provides us with an ongoing testimony of the reality of the kingdom. A kingdom that we cannot see with our eyes, but a kingdom which one day will be revealed for everyone to see. Disciples trust in this threefold testimony. We see what others can't see. Now, John has some pretty harsh words for those who don't believe in spite of the testimony. So in verse 10, he says that their failure to believe have made God into a liar. And therefore, it should concern us when people reject the testimony. Not only because it's insulting to God, but because they're rejecting the source of life. The higher life that all of us, that every one of us have been called into. Disciples of Jesus find life in the testimony God has left us. When we baptize a person who has come to faith, it points to the Son who, who brings to us living water. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it points to this, the Son who sacrificed his life so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And when we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it's points to the Son who now guides and leads our lives. These testimonies enable us to see a reality we can't see with our eyes, and yet we believe. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and to have it abundantly. The life of faith is indeed an abundant life, but it's not like the lives of people outside of the faith. Our lives will look distinctly different from theirs because ours is the life within the kingdom of God, a kingdom where Jesus reigns, a kingdom to which we are witnesses to its reality and truth in the world.